Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah, yeah. All I care about is money and loyalty. We're back with another episode of Showtime Sports, and I have my guest, the same guest, a guest who's going to be here more times than not, Mr. David Broach. Um, And today we're going to talk about the NBA draft, um, lottery pick teams, uh, where where we think players should go, where they best fit, and... um, I'm going to start off with, well, with Dave and see his input on the lottery of the Sixers, the Lakers, uh, and Brooklyn, which I think they gave up their pick to someone. Um, but mainly talk about players and where they, where we feel they fit best. So, Dave, who do you think? Uh, well, at the top of the lottery, you want to have probably one of the best two guards that have been um, a big part of college basketball year, and a guy, Markel Fultz, who was at Washington, and uh, Lonzo Ball, who was at we, – we all got to see Lonzo Ball play a lot more at UCLA. Um, me, be from, me being from the DMV or staying in the DMV for a little while, I've got to see Markel over, over time, and he's one that I really think is going to be a special player with his size and length. But uh, starting at the top of the draft, I, one of those two guards I really do believe would be uh, the first pick or first and second pick, a combination of those two guys. Um, depending on what team gets the number one pick, I think uh, it depends which guard they'll take. But uh, both of those guards are special kids, and we'll get to see them at the next level. Personally, I think uh, Lonzo Ball would be the safe pick for many teams. Because he can do everything, and he he's just not about scoring. He uh, makes his team better. Um, depending on if the Boston has a chance to get a top pick, and they, I think they need a big guy. Um, couple names I would throw out there would be uh, Laurie Mark Mark uh, from Arizona. He's pretty versatile. Um, Zach Collins, he's he got. 
pretty good in the uh he was good all season, but in the tournament he showed what he can do. Um Bam is a is, he's not really an offensive minded guy, but he he's a big body, he's athletic. Uh he'll bang in the post with uh many players and for Boston, Al Horford is really not a five man, but he's playing the five for him. Uh, if you can bump him down to the four, that'll make that team just much more dangerous. Um, but another guy I want, as many people has has their eye on, is uh, Markel Fultz, who's a scorer, and he also is he can get his teammates better. He was at Washington; they didn't have a great year. He dealt with injuries, um, but he still managed to score twenty plus points and average five plus assists. Um, so. Dave, my question I have for you is who do you think think would be the, I would guess, say best or safest pick um, between Lonzo Ball and Markel Fultz? Because that's who most people are talking about mainly in this draft. Uh, who do you think would be the best, safest pick? Uh, based off the situation, and I hate to use competition as a word because we're talking about Division One basketball and they both play at a high level. But uh, if we talk about experience and, and game experiences and also what they were able to do at those high levels against the highest of the competition. I probably also would go with Alonzo Ball. So that's something I, I would agree with you on. Um Alonzo Ball, he, he both both of these guys to me, they they have great temperament. Um Alonzo Ball, as you said, his ability to make plays, be elusive, handle the ball, still make shots at a high level, stretch the floor. And that's really where I think he gains his advantage over uh, Markel forces his ability to stretch the floor and shoot the ball from long range. Markel is on the other side is more of a get to the, into the paint and make a play for a guy type of score or even a mid-range guy. So Lonzo Ball, I think, would be the safer pick of the two based upon the way the game, the NBA game is being played now. And he has a little more speed, I would like to think, than Markel. So based off the NBA game, I think right now I would translate uh, Lonzo's Ball ability um, would be the safer pick out of the two. Now, we, you know we have all these big schools, Kentucky, North Carolina, Duke. Um, but a guy who, coming out of high school, was highly touted, a uh, five-star recruit. He, he went to NC State but didn't get as much, I guess, showcase, um, national showcase in, in college basketball. And I'm talking about Dennis Smith. Junior, um, I wanted to get your take on how you feel he would do in the league, how his game would translate into the league, because not people are talking about him, but he's not in that top tier lottery. Well, he might be a lottery pick, but he's not being discussed with Lonzo Ball and Markel Fultz. But I, I would say he's pretty, he's very close to being in that same category with them, if not. He is, but uh, what, what's your take on Dennis Smith? Dennis Smith is a guy who, as you said, didn't have necessarily the platform or the national schedule, national scene, watch him as much as these other two guys. Um, but he, first of all, his athletic ability is God-given and, and a freak of nature type of deal. So uh, obviously, and his strength and those things play a big role in his ability to be a big-time player. Um I, th- I do think that at the next level he'll, he'll be able to be effective. Um, and with a lot of these guys, we're talking about potential. So it, it, it's a hard window to define, but 
I do I do believe at the next level he'll be just as as you said just as talked about maybe as these other guys as we get to see him play on that level because they'll all, they all be on the same platform. Now let's talk about some guys who mainly from Kentucky uh who ended up putting their name in the draft and signing with agents. First we're going to talk about Isaiah Briscoe who I feel isn't ready for the league, but maybe he felt like his time was up in Kentucky. Two years, they have, well, every year they have uh, five, six All-Americans that come in. Um, but I feel like he, maybe he was rushed into going to the league or he felt like his time was up at Kentucky. Is no more, not much more he can do. I feel like he should have stayed um, because he does he does all the intangibles. He plays defense. He usually guards the best player. He he has the handle. Uh, he's a playmaker. But the thing I think most that he should should have stayed to work on was his jump shot and his free throw shooting. Um, because in the league as a guard, if if you're not as physical or you can't instill your will on on the opposing team, you sh- you should be able to at least hit a a short range mid range jumper. Uh, consistently, and he just hasn't shown that throughout his uh, years at Kentucky. Um, what do you think about Briscoe and his decision to enter the draft and sign with an agent? So we're talking about Isaiah Briscoe. Isaiah Briscoe is also an interesting guy as far as the draft goes. Um, it shocked me a little bit that he decided to declare. Um, I also didn't think he was ready. But um, I think when you go to a school like Kentucky, it kind of puts you in a rock and a hard place because the expectation is you're a one-and-done guy. You find yourself maybe staying another year. And and like you said, it gets to a point where maybe they just feel like it's time to move on because of the system that's in place and because of what they've accomplished there over that time. Um, Briscoe's uh, one, I, I think of a guy like, I, I call it the Rondo effect, a guy who... Um, you at the NBA level, you have to be able to do something else. Uh, Rondo's ability with the system that he was in and the team that he was on got teams played off of him, but his ability to distribute and be a decision maker was second to none, and that allowed him to be successful in that stint. As we've seen, Rondo has struggled a little since then, playing in different systems, playing in different teams, and I think we may see something similar with Isaiah Briscoe. Um, He's very strong. He, he's a downhill type of player. He's been that all, from a high schooler in, into the college level. Uh, at the college level, he still was able to do it, I, I think, at a higher level than I probably thought he would be able to. Um, but shot making is something that he's definitely going to have to improve to to really stick on the NBA roster. Um, like I said, if, you, if you're not able to make shots, you have to do something else at a very high level. And I don't really know if he does that right now. Yeah, I agree. I feel like those Kentucky players, they have they feel like they have a tight window of uh really two years of to get it done and be able to go to the league and and be selected in the first or the second round. Not necessarily the, just the first round, but I feel like Briscoe is a, a late second rounder or maybe even undrafted just off the simple fact that he doesn't uh make jump shots consistently. He doesn't shoot the doesn't shoot free throws well and he does get to the basket often um so that's that plays a big part in what scouts are looking for uh but 
other than that, he has the the intangibles that scouts will look for in guards. He gets players better. He's all around. Um, so Briscoe, I, I don't think he should have into the draft, but I feel like he thinks it was the best option for him at, at this moment. Uh, so in many mock drafts that I've been looking at, they had a couple players that they have going late first round who may be, may be able to slip, uh, move up in the, in the draft. Um, I, I think between 15 and 20, uh, first is Justin Jackson from North Carolina and another is Caleb Swanigan from Purdue. First, we're going to talk about Justin Jackson and what you think he needs to work on and what you liked about his game uh, this past this past season. Justin Jackson is a guy that I've got an opportunity also to watch from the college, the high school level into the college level. And um, something that he's always done at a very efficient level is, is his shot-making ability. His ability to shoot the three and stretch the floor. Um, he's a lanky, long type of... Uh, guard, I think that fits the NBA profile. Uh, I do think he needs to build his body up a little bit, be a little stronger, but he has the length and the ability to stretch the floor. Um, I, I think he is NBA ready in that sense. Uh, throughout the year, I've got an opportunity to see him play, and for that team, he, he was always aggressive to get his shot. Um, always didn't take the best shots, but that, some of that is the system that you play in and the coach that you play for that allow those things to happen. But, uh, he was very efficient at, like I said, shooting the three ball. And that's something that I think will be a specialist to him. Um, I watched other guys translate to the NBA that had shot, strictly shot-making ability, but uh, also the ability to play off one, two dribbles and make shots. A guy who's doing it right now at a high level in the NBA would be a guy like Devin Booker. Um, so I, I kind of put him not necessarily in that class, but having those type of abilities to make shots and get his own shot in that sense within the system off the screen or one or two dribbles. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. And also, uh, Jackson, the he entered his name in the draft last year after last season, but didn't sign an agent. And scouts were telling him that he needed to work on his three-pointer, be more consistent at that. So he came back this season and bumped up his three-point percentage by, I think it's seven-plus uh, percentage points, which is big for a uh, three-point three, three point percentage. I think it was from 30 to about 37, 38% from the three. Um, so he, as as you can tell by that, he did go in the gym, worked on his game, did what the scouts told him to do. I'm sure he's been in the weight room. He He's a linky body. So somewhat of how Kevin Durant was coming into the uh, league. He know, he knows how to get his shot off. Uh, he has a, a nice floater, um, and he, he's great off the dribble. And to add, the three-pointer is a big uh, big adjustment for him uh, going into the league because, like you said, he is uh, has a frail body, so he has to be able to know how to work his body and get off shots without uh, the defender – dictating where he goes and, and what shots he takes. Um, and a couple more players before we uh, sign out today. Um, two guards from Kentucky again, De'Aaron Fox and Malik Monk. There's two totally different players, but they're both dynamic in what they do. Um, first, De'Aaron Fox, I think, is 
the better player just off the fact that he, he can do everything. He he does have to uh, work on his jumper, but as you saw in the uh, NCAA tournament, he was just getting to the basket at will, and nobody really could stop him. Uh, he did what he wanted to do. He made that team go. And when he when he got going, it made it so much easier for Monk to get going, even though he doesn't need anybody to help him. But when De'Aaron Fox was uh, getting to the basket, that made defenders help off Monk, and Monk is a uh, deadly shooter from three. And when he gets going, as you saw in a in the past game in the to- uh, not the tournament but regular season against North Carolina, he had about forty plus points and hit the game winner uh, against North Carolina. So when when De'Aaron Fox is gone, um, he's a problem, and Monk is a problem as well. But first, I want you to talk about De'Aaron Fox. De'Aaron Fox, for me, um, I was, a, I guess, a late bloomer into falling in love with his game or his ability. Um, early on, I just wasn't really interested in his game. Not, not that he wasn't effective or he wasn't really good. I, I'm more of a Malik Monk guy, but as far as De'Aaron Fox goes, one, he, he he's crafty. He, he's able to play off screens. Uh, his ability to just set guys up and make plays that Kentucky needs him to make. Uh, the piggyback off what you were talking about, you talked about when you know Malik Monk had it going. Uh, Fox found a way to be just as effective, or or he became that uh, igniter that to get uh, Monk start Monk started. So, uh, I, as the year went up, progressed, and I got to see. Kentucky later in the season, De'Aaron Fox was one that I, I said this kid really can get it done. Um, playing playing lefty, playing strong, going to the basket, playing his ability to make shots, um, all translate. So uh, I, I, later on in the season, I, I became very impressed with what uh, De'Aaron Fox was able to do. And lastly, I want to talk about Jason Tatum, who was hurt for the, for the first part of the uh, season. Uh, he came back. I think with in the ninth game of the season or tenth game, um, came back, started off slow, uh, but as the season progressed and you got closer to the tournament, the uh, conference tournament, the NCAA tournament, you saw glimpses of what he can be. Uh, he became the the team's lead, not leading scorer, but the all around best all around player. Um, he took on that role. He he was able to take uh, the bigs off the dribble because he is, uh, I would say, a small big. Um, so not so much of a Dr- Draymond Green, but uh, sort of a Draymond Green, but just slimmer. Uh, he gets to the basket. He can make the jumper. Um, he's a mismatch in the college. On the college level, he was a mismatch because they would pick, put big guys on him. Um, but in the league, he would be a small forward. Six, he's 6'8", 205, so he has a, a little bit of weight on him. He needs to get in the weight room a little bit. But uh, as far as his game, I feel like he's all around. He's he's a safe pick for any team who who feels like they need a wing player or a slasher, whatever you, whatever you may want. Uh, I feel like he's a safe pick because his upside, I believe, is is tremendous. Um you just you just beginning to see what he could do at the end of the NCAA, NCAA tournament. Um, he averaged fit, uh, 17 plus points, I think eight plus rebounds in the tournament, and uh, he he took his game to a, another level 
when uh, his team needed him to, even though they didn't come out on top. But he he put that team on his back, along with Grayson Allen and Luke Kennard. But he put that team on his back, and they follow his lead. So what do you think about Tatum and his his uh, chances in the league and in the draft? Jason Tatum's a guy that um, I think has a really good chance of being taken in the top five, to be honest. Um, as you said, uh, throughout the year, for me, Duke was a team that I, I watched enough, but not necessarily as much as I've obviously seen other teams. But uh, Duke's system has always been, for Coach K, it's kind of a pick-and-plug system where there's only going to be one or two guys that really keep them going or that are the staple of that team, and then you kind of find your niche within that. Um, as the season went on, I think he found a niche that allowed him to flourish. Um, his ability to finish at the basket, his ability to stretch the floor also, just just do things that um, at the college level other guys couldn't do, where it allowed him to be a mismatch and allow him to uh, have opportunities. Um, so I, I'm really big on him. Or bigger than I, big bigger on him than I was in the beginning of the season. And as I said, I, I really believe that Jason Tatum has a chance to be a top five guy. And I did say that I was going to be the last person, but I can't forget to mention Josh Jackson from Kansas, who's who's a six eight, another six eight player. Uh, he does a bunch, a, a little bit of everything. Um, he can guard one through four if he has to. Um, for Kansas, he got in some 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 trouble at the end of the season uh, and was suspended in the conference tournament, and they lost to TCU, uh, I believe, in the first round. And he was a big part of why they lost because he he's a major factor in what they do, even though they have dynamic guards. Um, but Josh Jackson, I feel like, is another safe pick if you if depending on what you need on your team. Um, he can play two, three positions, maybe even four. Um, he can shoot the mid range. His three pointer can get better, but he's he's an athletic specimen who plays above the rim whenever he he's he gets the chance to. Um, so, what's your take on Jackson and how he can correlate his game from college into the NBA? When we're talking about Josh Jackson, I I instantly think two way guy, two way player. Um, his ability to play on both ends of the floor. Um. Over time, I've watched. We'll we'll say I'll take two NBA guys right now, and that that's worked out very well for Jimmy Butler. Um, ability to play on both ends of the floor has really helped his game, and over time, he's obviously developed more on offense along the way. But always having defense as a staple. Um, and another guy I think of would be a. Um, oh my God! Just slipped my mind. Um, I'm sorry. I can't, it's fine, it's fine. I can't even think of the other guy. It just slipped my mind. But um, Josh Jackson, in the beginning of the year, he struggled a little bit. Um, but I watched him really use defense to get his offense going. Um, and as you said, even with the dynamic guards they had, he found ways to be effective, kind of similar in the way that uh, Tatum did for his team. And being that he was a high-profile player, he already had pretty much guys watching him and uh, expectation was put on him. I think as the year progressed, he found a way to fill those shoes and um, do some of the things that scouts and guys think he can do. At the next level, obviously being a bigger body and having that athleticism, I do think that he'll, he'll be successful and a safe pick also 
probably within the top 10 or 15 uh, in this NBA's draft. I'm glad you mentioned that he was a two-way player. You mentioned Jimmy Butler. Uh, a couple other players I could think of. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, who's a two-way player who's gotten better. Um, Pause it. Paul, Paul George is another good guy who uh, who's a two-way player who excels on the offensive end, but also on the defensive end. But um, that's that's one guy in the in the in the draft that's a two-way player who can get it, who gets it done on both ends of the floor uh, at a high high level with and with high energy. It's just the off the uh, court issues that he. Has has to uh, t- uh, take care of, in which I don't think he will have a problem with. Um, but again, I want to I want to thank you. I I'm looking forward to the draft uh, in June. I can't wait to see what the teams do, what teams get what picks, what players go to what teams. Um, I'm personally, I root for the Knicks. So I'm looking forward to see uh, what Phil Jackson does and, and what plan he has, because uh, uh, they they got Porzingis a couple years ago and he got lucky with that pick. Um, so I'm I'm intrigued to see where he goes in this draft. There's a bunch of talented players. Um, Knicks can go for anything at this point. Um, so I'm I'm intrigued to see who the who the Knicks pick up. This season, do you have any team that you would like to see pick somebody in particular, or uh, just anybody in general? Absolutely. Um, I'm a I'm a Lakers fan and Lakers follower, so obviously since Kobe Bryant has retired, I'm looking to see what the young core crop of talent that they have, and along with an addition, um, the last few drafts have been actually pretty good to them. Um, D'Angelo Russell's starting to figure it out. Uh, Julius Randle. Turned out to be a solid pick for them. Um, Jordan Clarkson even turned out to be a good pick for them. So they, they've made some good decisions in the last few drafts. Uh, this this year, there'll be another big draft for them. They'll be probably in the lottery, or they will be in the lottery, but more than likely in the top five. So uh, I'm interested to see also with new management in L.A. with uh, Magic Johnson and uh, uh, Jenny Buss. So... It'll be interesting to see what the new organization and what direction they go as far as where they want to take this team. Uh, I feel like they need a big. Um, but as I said, if you fall within that top three pick, you might have to take best available players. So it, it's very intriguing, very interesting to see how the draft will fall out. And to piggyback on what you're talking about with the Lakers, they, like you said, they have Maggie Johnson uh, and they also have Kobe Bryant's agent. In there, so you know Kobe Bryant is going to be uh, heavily involved in what they do if they need any help whatsoever. Uh, we're getting free agents, um, even being in the meetings with free agents during free agency. So the Lakers, I believe, have a bright future. Uh, they show they show late in the season they won five, six straight games at the end of the season. Um, so you can see that they're headed in the right direction. Luke Walton is he's going to get those guys going. Um, but yeah, like like you said, the Lakers they have a bright future. For me, the Knicks, I don't know what's going on. Melo is in a bunch of 
uh, headlines nowadays, whether it be because of Phil Jackson talking about him or m- more recently um, it's been put out there that he may have cheated on his wife. So Carmelo has to get his his not only his his life together, but also his basketball life together. So he's going through a, a bunch of things and Phil Jackson is not making it any better. So uh, I hope Melo uh, gets through this tough time because it's, it's pretty tough. I want to thank you guys again for listening in to Showtime Sports. Uh, I'm your host, host, Reggie Coleman, and I want to thank David Brochett once again for uh, joining me and talk about uh, college basketball and, and the NBA draft. Thank you.